we tend to buy things that we believe give us happiness but i think that happiness tends to be momentary i buy the latest phone wow great and in three months i'm already on to the next thing you know so how how permanent is that happiness really or i just want the latest laptop i want the latest deal i want the latest discount i want the best thing how permanent is the joy that you get from that i'm not sure that's really you know that's really going to take you forward for a very long period of time money is just it's just a means towards an end so i think once we accept that our life is much more than just earning money it could be about leading a fulfilled life it could be about, about doing work that you enjoy being with your friends and family and you know maybe taking out some time to exercise in a day mental health physical health all of that and money is just one part of that hello welcome to the leaders of learning podcast i'm your host lingling The Leaders of Learning is a podcast show that explores learning in the 21st century with educators, leaders, and entrepreneurs. For more information and to listen to our previous episodes, head over to our website at www.leadersoflearning.asia. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. is a word that strikes many emotions. It could be joy, fear, anger, and quite often, stress. It is something we handle every single day of our lives. In our online and offline shopping, in paying our bills to running our homes. It is the very reason we rise in the morning, dress up and commute to work. Yet many of us, money is such a difficult subject to talk about and can be likened to a romantic relationship. Why is it so difficult to talk about money? What can we do to have a healthy relationship with money? Joining us is Anupam Gupta, an experienced chartered accountant and a consultant in the stock markets based in Mumbai, India. He also hosts a podcast show called Paisa Vaisa, which in Hindi means that type of money. On the show, he talks to experts on personal finance. Anupam, welcome to the show. Hi, Lingling. Thank you so much for having me here. Really excited to be part of your show. Thank you. Can you share with us and our listeners what motivated you to start your podcast on Paisa Vaisa? And did I say that correctly? Yes, you got the pronunciation absolutely right. It is Paisa Vaisa and you got that right. So this goes back to 2017, you know, three years ago. Uh, when the studio that I work with, that's IVM, that's Indus Vox Media, they reached out to me and said that why don't we try making a podcast on personal finance? In 2017, of course, the world world was also a very different place than it is today. But the idea at that point of time was that I would uh, look at some very basic questions in personal finance and I would answer them myself. So it would be like a monologue uh, where I would where someone would ask me the question and I would give the answer. So I think that went on for the initial few months, but then I thought it might make more sense if I change the format and get guests to answer questions or rather to talk about a certain topic. So we changed the format within a few months of doing the show, and I think that really, really worked. We got a lot of positive feedback from the listeners, and thankfully we got a long list of guests also because I've done more than two hundred episodes. I've had about eighty 
70 or 80 guests so far on my show across the entire spectrum of personal finance so i think the motivation was always there the motivation comes today to me in the form of the guests that i get and in the form of listener feedback that i get from listeners so it's been a process and i think that the motivation happens each each and every day wow 200 over episodes that's amazing yes, it is i've just been lucky <laughs> it's great that you have the support to help you build this amazing podcast show and full disclosure to our listeners I've met Anupam on the Asia Podcast Summit and his podcast show has won the best business podcasts for 2019. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> It was fantastic. So, of all the 200 episodes, what was the most surprising thing that you learned about money on the show? Oh, wow. Okay, that's a long list. I mean, I keep getting surprised even on a daily basis. So I think so there's new perspectives, there's new products, there is new people that I meet. So all of them have usually come as a very big learning curve for me. Let's look at a few of these, right? So new products, I just completed a recording with someone who's going to be launching with a company that's going to be launching an S&P 500 index fund in India. You know, and that didn't exist ever. Or rather if it did then I'm not too sure about that, but I think finding new products that you can try out on your with your money it could be investments it could be credit cards it could be a payment platform so that is stuff that i keep on learning with every episode that there's new perspectives the way that we look at our investments the various biases that we have in our mind that makes us do all kinds of funny things you know anchoring bias representation bias availability bias all of that stuff so that's all of that learning i think you know happens almost with each episode and it's been a lot of fun so far i like how you talked about how when it comes to money there's all these different biases that we have i find that when it comes to money people find it really difficult to talk about it for some reason or another even though it's something that we manage every single day it's the reason why we get out of bed so based on your experience and your observation what are the common challenges that people find when it comes to talking about money or do you believe that people find it challenging to talk about money I think they do but thankfully things have been improving uh, if i look at how it was 20 years ago we probably didn't even have enough of information to make a decision on money today we've got a lot of resources that can help us to make good decisions about money stuff like what credit card should i use what are the options for me to invest my money what are the options on insurance so you know long ago maybe 20 30 years ago we didn't have a very refined way of assessing our choices when it came to spending or investing our money today we do so i think even today it is a bit challenging but i think that things have improved what stops me from talking openly about money well it depends really you know uh, it depends on the level of knowledge that we have the level of confidence that we have and i think that differs a lot from person to person it doesn't really help that a lot of the terms in personal finance can get a bit intimidating something as simple as insurance could involve a lot of complex things so something like like a credit cards for example now when we learn for the first time that if you miss a credit card payment there's a massive interest that you have to pay that comes as a big learning moment you know so in that some of us learn from that and move on some of us feel a little bit that maybe they don't want to use credit cards at all so i think some of the products might be a bit difficult to understand some of it might just be that we want to be a little bit cautious when you're talking about money we don't want people to know maybe how much we're earning so it, it could be a whole lot of reasons that help us or other that stop us from freely discussing our things about money but like i said things today are much better than what they used to be at one point of time let me ask out of curiosity is it a 
good thing that we openly talk about money or shall we remain cautious and not talk to people about, you know, how much we're earning, how we're spending or how we're investing? Because to me, I come from a place where discussion is really important, but I do also understand why people are cautious. I think that if you keep an open mind and you talk about it to learn more, I think you're absolutely fine. Because money is a very integral part of our lives. It helps us do a lot of things. It takes care of our expenses. It takes care of our needs. It helps us to plan for the future. So it's, it can only be a good thing for us to talk openly about money as long as we know that we're doing it to learn something new. Or maybe if you know something to help someone else. It's a different thing. If you, if you, if you want to show off and you want to you know post, that's a different thing. I don't think I would like that. <laughs> Earlier on, you talked about the term biases and the perceptions and beliefs when it comes to money. What do you believe are the common misunderstandings or misconceptions about money that can also be detrimental to them? So this is this, this itself is a big topic. Uh, let's look at it in three ways, you know, income, expenditure and investment. So the way that we, some misconceptions that we have about our income is our income will go on forever. My salary will go on forever. My job will go on forever. Unfortunately, you know, the times that we live in, it's really tough what a lot of us are going through right now, especially people who are freelancers, people who are consultants. So somewhere, you know, we just, if we can just say that, okay, we should prepare ourselves for uncertain times, maybe that might help us. Maybe build an emergency fund or keep a higher percentage of savings on the side. So that's one challenge that I can think of. The second, like I said, on the expenses side, we tend to buy things that we believe give us happiness. But I think that happiness tends to be momentary. You know, I buy the latest phone. Wow, great. And in three months, I'm already on to the next thing. You know, so how how permanent is that happiness really? Or I just want the latest laptop. I want the latest deal. I want the latest discount. I want the best thing. How permanent is the joy that you get from that? I'm not sure that's really, you know, that's really going to take you forward for a very long period of time. Maybe if you kept aside that same money, you know, invested it better, maybe that money could help you better 10 years down the line. I don't know. You know so that's what I think is one, another way of looking at things. And third, like what I told you, the investments part. Oh boy. Okay. So now that, so our biases around investment is something that has been written about so much. And there are so many people out there who have written in detail about this behavioral finance, anchoring bias, availability bias, representation, a stock price falls sharply. And we think that if it reaches a certain numerical level, that's a great time to buy. And it just shrouds the way that we think. Or a mutual fund that's offered at an NAV of 10 rupees is actually attractive. But it's not because, you know, it, it's 10 is a nice round number and it's what we think is like the face value. So all three areas, I believe that we have a lot of misconceptions and a lot of room for improving the way that we treat our money, whether it's income, whether it's expense, whether it's investments. Where do you believe these misconceptions or beliefs come from? And by having these beliefs and misconceptions, how do they impact our relationship with money? Wow, that's I think that has to be one of my favorite topics. Maybe another episode, another day. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. See, so as far as the biases and the tricks that the mind plays, I think it's just the way that all of us have are built. That's the way our brains are made. We like to find shortcuts. We like to find ways to understand a difficult topic in a quick and easy way. And this is what the written research has to say. If you look at the Nobel Prize winning uh, author Daniel Kahneman and the books that he's written, Thinking Fast and Slow, or any literature which is there on business, uh, on behavioral finance, tells you that this is how our mind is equipped. 
that's one aspect second aspect is obviously the way that we've been brought up our culture our education and the way that we look at money can also depend on that our circumstances so i think the second part is something that is in our control more than the first part when i say our upbringing and our culture let's just take a simple example of when do we first learn about money now a lot of us probably learn it in maybe school or maybe in college and we don't take it seriously we just have to pass an exam and stuff that we learn and then we forget and then when the time comes for us to recall that you know stuff like simple interest which is seriously useful when it comes to the loans that we take or its compound interest which is useful you know across the board whether it's the returns that we make on our investment all of these are taught to us at a very early age but we forget about it now maybe we could learn it in a better manner or maybe we could keep it in a better manner in our heads i don't know about that and i think the last point about how we think about money is just the world that we live in could be the friends we talk to the family we have the social media that we consume the mainstream media that we consume so i think all of these create our beliefs and our conceptions about money i like how you mentioned where we learn about money from everywhere from our friends our family education system social media but the thing is information can be so overwhelming and the perspectives can be so wide ranging it's kind of like learning about sex if you don't go to a class <laughs> that specifically talks about not just the biology of it but the people that are involved the relationships the consequences if those aren't talked about then it's something that we have to learn and navigate through this overwhelming information that's available from everywhere. Yep, yep, It's the same yep, thing with money yeah. too. So yeah, we can learn the formula for it, but I don't believe we are taught finance in a manner where we have to think about what are the consequences if I buy a bigger house compared to a smaller house on oh yeah, oh yeah. our own savings and on our own future and maybe on climate change or in the environment. So that kind of education I believe is not yet there. And that's where maybe misconceptions and beliefs can happen and still we have a healthy or unhealthy relationship depending on where you learn how to manage money from is it something that you also see in india i totally agree with that i totally agree with that i think that comparison was just very accurate i think that so let's just take an example buying your own house you you know you kind of mentioned that in passing now for the generation that came before me buying your own house was taken as something that you need to do it's a necessity you just have to do but i've seen now the younger generation saying that why do i need to buy my house do you even know the kind of financial burden that puts on me and if i take a 20 year loan at the start of my career to buy my own house that can wreck my finances okay why not just rent you know it comes at a very low cost the yield is much better and i can manage my finances better how about if i change jobs how about if i change the country that i'm staying in the city that i'm staying in if i'm renting then that makes that much better that much more sense to me you know so i think that as a generation change and as the concepts change our learning also needs to be more updated in the same way so yes i think your 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 comparison was right and i think that this learning needs to be a constant process if we compare previously like you say the previous generation talked about yes we need to buy a house and i do have the older generation also advising me the same thing now it's very much different than the generation before so for this generation what makes a healthy or unhealthy relationship with money and i like to ask this because i do see peers when they work they worked for so many years but yet their relationship with money is as such as i earn this much and i spend this much 
So it makes their life very, very risky, especially in our trying times now. Yeah. I think that we need to look at money as just one part of our lives. So I think that is the way, I think that's one learning that I've had from my show over the years, that money is just, it's just a means towards an end. So I think once we accept that our life is much more than just earning money, it could be about leading a fulfilled life. It could be about doing work that you enjoy, being with your friends and family, and maybe taking out some time to exercise in a day, mental health, physical health, all of that. And money is just one part of that. As compared to driving yourself really hard and saying, no, I want this and I want that and I want this and I want that. And keeping yourself you know, very focused on the material aspects of life. Maybe for some of us, that is a reason that drives us and that's fine. But I'm just saying that the way that I look at this and I feel that we should accept money as a means to an end. And our life is actually you know, more than, than just that. For example, maybe we love to do a certain thing. And if we get really good at it, you know, we actually get a good job and we do well in life and then we earn money. As compared to saying that I want to make a million dollars, now how will I do it? So I don't know, you know, what what would motivate me would be that, okay, I have a business idea and let me do that because I love doing this. It could be serving the poor, it could be setting up a company that looks at a certain underprivileged class or it could just be an idea that nobody's thought about and I work on that and I really enjoy it and that then puts me on a path where I earn the money. So I think that the one way of looking at money would just be what I feel is a narrow way. Now, I don't want to call it right or wrong. Maybe for some people that motivates them and I don't want to be, I don't want to judge them for that. But I'm just saying that maybe you want to look at life as a whole and think of money as a means to an end. I think that's a beautiful way to put it, to think of money more as a means to achieve the ends that you desire. And I very much agree with you when you say that money is only a small part of our entire life because our life has many different aspects to it that money supports, I'm sure. But for some of us, we focus too much on chasing the money. We we neglect the other aspects of life. Yeah, and I get that, you know, maybe when you're young, money is a very different thing to you. When you have a family, money is a very different thing to you. And when you're retiring or when you're old, money is a very different thing to you. So it also depends on where you are in life. But as long as you know that living a happy and fulfilled life is actually a little bit more, might just give you more satisfaction than having this nice big bank balance in your with yourself, I don't know. And especially in times like these, you know, where you just feel happy that, you're in your house, you've got your family, hopefully you're well taken care of. So yeah. Yeah, we are recording this episode during really trying times where we're both in quarantine in our own country. So me in Malaysia and you over in Mumbai. Do you have any insights on on how people's lives will be when it comes to money after this quarantine? Because I hear many horrid stories left, right, and center. People are losing jobs. People are not getting any business. What do you foresee may happen? I just, you know, I want to be an optimist and I want to hope that people can get back to normalcy as soon as they can. But we all know that that's going to be really difficult on the other side of this. And let's see. I mean, this is this is something that's really tough to even predict. Maybe my mind is too scared to figure out what's on the other side of this. But I do believe that if you have a job and if you have a salary today, I think that's a luxury. And I think you should keep that. You should probably be looking at helping people who are not as fortunate as, as you are. And I think you should sustain that going forward. Maybe over the next couple of years, 
it would be great if the better off could support the weaker off so i think that is one thing that we should keep in mind i think that people who employ people should be a little bit more large hearted and take decisions that can help you know larger sections of the population to get back to normalcy over a period of time and i think people that who don't have it that lucky i'm no one to help i mean i'm really no one to give advice because it is a really difficult situation for you to be in you know maybe you can find work as soon as you can and i hope that you do find it and once you do maybe you just want to just look at saving a little bit more for rainy days i think that's that's really that all i can say in these really difficult times so let's say i'm one of those lucky few that has a home to be quarantined in and still have a salary and after listening to us maybe they realize okay i don't think i have such a healthy relationship with money after all all i do is earn and spend earn and spend and there's no emergency money for rainy days so what are the first few steps i can do to get on the path on building a healthier relationship with money make lists i love lists so the first list is essentials the you know you need to have a list of the core minimum expenses that you need to sustain yourself it could be your rent it could be the things that you eat and that's just about it you know and you just know that without this money per month i cannot survive so you keep that as a bare minimum list and you say okay this is the expenses now let me see how much from my income can i save really aggressively and build up a fund that last me for at least you know whatever you can do 3 months 6 months or whatever you can afford and i think that once you have that list once you have a path and once you have the calculations in your mind you know then you start living your life keeping in mind that you have to save so much and i think that we need to be a little bit more ruthless on that you don't need to buy the latest iphone you can continue with your existing phone for a long period of time and this also depends on the various countries that we live in you know because your listeners would be from different countries so so i think that is the first thing make a list of stuff that you really need i think then you should look at the skills that you need to upgrade yourself and possibly have a profile that can get you a better job in the next couple of years and just keep that in your mind of course retain your current job because believe me a job is a luxury but think about what you could learn that could make your skill set more flexible you know it could be an online course and online courses these days teach a whole lot of whole lot of things it could be psychology so that is number 2 what are the list of skills that you don't have right now you know that can help you be resilient okay and the third i think is you know it has nothing to do with money but i think you should be physically fit i think that is one thing that a lot of us our health is really seriously important so physical and mental health make a list of stuff that can help you do that so i think these three lists would be could you know help you god forbid there is another thing like this in the next few years and i hope that there isn't that might help you just to go through that in a better way wow those are amazing lists to have when it comes to ensuring that we have a healthier relationship with money and our life and with ourselves as well at times like this if we don't have the health we can't do anything at all exactly Yeah. Yeah. What key advice can our listeners take away from our session today you think? Yeah, I think so there is one quote from Charlie Munger. I think you know you know so Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett run Berkshire Hathaway and if you you know if you read them if you follow them they've got such nice simple easy to understand advice that they've got just google them out. But my favorite quote from Charlie Munger the safest way to try and get what you want is to try and deserve 
what you want so i think that to me helps me a lot in figuring out my money as one part of my life and my life also in general you know if you're if you're someone that's working hard towards your goals and to get what you think you deserve i think the money sorts itself out eventually over a period of time if you you know and it has other implications like stuff like be nice to others you know just be someone who's a team player who can work well with others so i think this quote from chali munger really helps me figuring out a lot of things in life the safest way to try and get what you want is to try and deserve what you want so i think that would be one takeaway that i would want your listeners to go home with beautiful And if our listeners want to reach out to you, how can they do so? Twitter is the best way. I my handle is really simple. It's at the rate B. That's B for Bombay five zero B fifty on Twitter. I am active out there. If you are on Twitter, just reach out to me out there. I'm on LinkedIn also, and more than happy to help your listeners in any which way that I can. Fantastic! Thank you so much, Anupam, and take care. Wash your hands. <laughs> I will, Lingling. Thank you for having me on the show, and you stay safe. Thank you. That was Anupam Gupta, an experienced chartered accountant and a consultant in the stock markets based in Mumbai, India. He also hosts a podcast show called Paisa Visa, which in Hindi means that type of money. Next week, we will speak to Chi Zi Yen, a certified master coach with over 14 years experience in delivering coaching programs, training and facilitating workshops. We will be discussing about how to navigate our careers in these unprecedented times. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, Take a moment to rate and review us wherever you download your podcast. Follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also visit our website at www.leadersoflearning.asia to listen to our previous episodes. If you believe this podcast show will help a colleague, friend, or family member, please share this episode with them via social media or your podcast app. I'm your host, Lingling. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast.